1: Today on the Zadecast, well, Pat Shermer is certainly working off a different conversion chart than the rest of the world. The Raiders have found a sucker for Amari Cooper, and that sucker is Jarrah. Andy Polin rolls in with a weekly skins recap and a critical review of the Nance and Romo show. All that plus me and OBJ finally have something in common. Your essential sports talk day starter is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs>
2: Here we go! Maybe I'm just not up with the times, but, but who listens to podcasts? Oh, come on now.
1: Tuesday, October 23rd, 2018. Thank you for downloading, and thank you for everybody who has been tweeting me pictures of their beloved ale coins that are finally... Reaching their destinations. Boy, oh boy, what an adventure that has been. Uh, keep on sending me the pictures. And more importantly, once the Ale Coins get out there in use, at ball games, at picnics, at weddings, at meetings, you name it. I want to see that Ale Coin. Hold it up and show me how you're going to bust out of a meeting early. I would love to see it. So the Falcons just polished off the New York Giants 23-20, to 20, dropping the... New York Giants. All hail <laughs> the New York Giants. New York Giants! Uh, dropping the Giants to 1-6. 23-20, your final score. Oh, by the way, the line was minus three and a half. Atlanta. Oh, the hook is the crook. But the story of the game had to be Pat Shermer, head coach of the Giants, with some interesting math. I'm Ron Burgundy. So Atlanta scores to go up by 14 points. That would be 20 to 6. Is that right? Yeah, 20 to 6. The Giants score a touchdown with about oh, four minutes and change, maybe, to cut the lead to 20 to 12. Now, what is the standard play in this situation? Extra point to cut it to seven. Then if you score one more touchdown, extra point to tie, and now you're in overtime. Or at the very least, extra point now to cut it to seven, and then if you score another touchdown, you're down one, and depending on how much time is left in the game, depending on what's going on, then you can pull a Mike Vrabel and say, I'm going for two, and I'm going for the win. I don't want to deal with overtime. Pat Shermer somehow thinks, well, let's go for two now. And, of course, they don't get it because, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. drops the ball. Stone cold drop for a two-point conversion. Okay. No big deal. Uh, Then they go ahead and give the ball back to Atlanta. Atlanta comes down. They hold it for a while. They get stopped. Uh, They end up kicking a field goal from 56, which was kind of risky, but it paid off. Then the Giants, with less than two minutes, start chucking it down the field. And all of a sudden, they're knocking on the doorstep. Oh, my God, they, they might actually have a chance at a touchdown, a two-point conversion, an onside kick, and a desperation three uh, field goal to tie this game finally, despite all of Pat Shermer's crazy math. Whatever math and whatever chart he's going by. So with the clock ticking down and no timeouts, first and goal at the one, the New York Giants call back-to-back quarterback sneaks to Eli Manning. Captain Derp. Face himself, and if you see the plays, if you're watching the game, you saw just how tepidly, how not fierce, old dear Amelie Manning, Mr. Fake Game Used Merchandise Manning, another Manning who likes to commit fraud in the name of greed, just like his brother. He gives the most half-hearted attempt on first and goal from the one. Quarterback sneak. The Falcons just swarm him. No gain. And they do it again. Meanwhile, the clock is tick, 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 Finally, on third down, they throw it and they get a touchdown. All right, then. Now we're going to go for two. And with five seconds left, Actually, they, th- they throw a touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr., who makes a great catch. See, that's the thing that's so maddening about him. And by the way, before we're done today, I'll say what I have in common with Odell Beckham Jr. When they, they, you know, What's so maddening about Beckham is that he'll make the most spectacular catches, which is, of course, his trademark. The one-hander made him millions and millions of dollars alone, and then he will drop easy passes. He will drop balls right in his hands like the first two point conversion. So catch of the touchdown. They then powered in for the two point conversion. All of a sudden, what had been a comfortable Falcons win in a variety of ways, both at 20 to 6, minus 3.5, that's a winner. At 23 to 12, minus 3.5, that's a winner. Even at 23 to 18, that's a winner. Two-point conversion, five seconds left. Loser. That's why, Anthony, you should never gamble. Unless, of course, you had the other side. Which is what I'm sure a lot of people did. Now, there's a game you don't deserve. But as they say, deserve ain't got nothing to do with it. The
2: man is a gambler. He got over his
1: head in debt.
2: He owed me money, and he refused to pay. He avoided me. That's why you should never gamble, Anthony.
1: <laughs> the game ends. Old Tess, the game show host, says goodnight to Wit, Boog, and Lisa, and then tosses in game show fashion to Scott Van Pelt, and Van Pelt's first words as he comes on camera was, well, that was interesting love it i love it i love it i love it and i love the fact the giants are one and six just like they were last year one and six and now the headlines and the tabloid writers and the talk show hosts and mike francesa are going to go off on pat Shermer's wacky math and pat Shermer's idiotic conversion chart okay whatever the Giants will be shopping for a quarterback this spring. You can mark it down. Even though Eli racked up a lot of yards in this game, 399 on 27-38. No interceptions, a QB rating or a passer rating of 113.8. Pretty good. Sterling Shepard, bomb day, 5 for 167. Beckham, 8 for 143. What's not to like? Well, Barkley didn't run it for very much, 14 for 43. Matt Ryan, 31-39, to and Julio Jones, big game, nine for a buck, four. But again, no touchdowns for the pause button. And they were wearing their throwbacks, so he wasn't in the pause button. It was the all-black throwbacks, which, eh. I think if you're going to go throwbacks, throw it back to the red helmets. But you can't now because of the stupid one-helmet rule in the NFL. Raiders have traded for Amari Cooper of the Oakland Raiders. They send a single first-round pick to Oakland. Word is the Eagles were interested. They were knock-knock offering a second-round pick. The Raiders held out, and they found a bigger sucker in the form of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Not a good trade, if you ask me. Disastrous trade? No, I guess not. But Cooper has not produced this year, and he didn't produce last year, and you got to wonder where the first two years of fluke. One way to spin it, and this is the way Ian port spun it, was as follows: "Quote, one way to look at the Cowboys sending a first rounder for Cooper, they got a 24 year old two time Pro Bowler making 700 grand this year, and do 13.9 million next year. It's a lot of money. Then he'll be a free agent. Then you've got to pay him. He's just six months older than Falcons first round pick Calvin Ridley." It's like a draft pick, but they know what they got. I guess. It's like a draft pick, but what if you say you know what you got? I don't think you know what you got in Amari Cooper. I think you're going to find out what you got once he's suited up for you and trying to catch passes from Dak Prescott. We'll see then. That was the argument that Joe Gibbs made in his second time around. With the Redskins, and I remember Andy and Poland and I would sit around and listen to Gibbs and his arguments about this. They loved free agents because Gibbs would say, you know, they can play at this level. And in a certain way, I understand his logic. But what Joe Gibbs didn't understand was that once a guy gets paid, his motivation level for a lot of guys too straight downhill because they know they're not getting another contract in the NFL. Guys get two contracts if they're lucky. In the NFL, the exceptional guys will get three, but it's really hard. So anyway, um, if it's anything like the previous wide receiver trades the Cowboys have made, then it's going to be a disaster. Just not as big of a disaster. Walking back in time, let's go to 2008. The Cowboys gave up a first and third round pick to get Roy Williams from the Detroit Lions. Roy Williams was a tall, athletic-looking guy out of the University of Texas, prolific college receiver, and was off to a good start with the Lions. Here's the thing, though, about Roy Williams, and my buddy Cowboy Mike would always say this, he is the least athletic, athletic athletic-looking guy you've ever seen. Looks great in a uniform, and then he gets out there, and he just, he's all legs and arms and elbows and knees and dropping passes. Roy Williams never was a fit for the Cowboys. He caught only 94 passes total in multiple years for 13 touchdowns in 40 games. So that would be 16 plus 16 is 32 plus eight. uh, Two and a half seasons, he had 13 touchdowns and 94 catches. Not very productive. Uh, He did spend his last season with the Chicago Bears. Going back even further. The Cowboys traded two number ones, not just a first and a third, to get speedster Joey Galloway out of Seattle. The former Ohio State product was good in Seattle. He was holding out for uh, more money at the final contract season he was in with Seattle in 1999. But when Galloway got to Dallas, he was limited to just one game in his first year because of a torn ACL. And never reached a thousand yards receiving in the three subsequent years with the boys. Disastrous trade. Two number ones for Joey Galloway. Didn't work out. So good luck on Amari Cooper. If you think you know what you got, I don't I would disagree. You don't know. I don't know. As Jim Mora Jr. would say, or Jim Mora Sr., you think you know, but you don't know, and you'll never know. The only difference is we will know. I can't say we'll never know. We'll find out. We'll find out if he is any good this year for the Dallas Cowboys. All right, let me start with an email today. This one from Mitch Davison. He writes to say, Zabe, how can you do a Monday podcast and not mention the Purdue-Ohio State game? I know you can't speak to every game, but the biggest college game of the weekend demands a segment, especially since this game had it all. Huge upset. Huge upset. Urban Meyer sulking, high scoring, incredible plays by superstar Rondale Moore, Tom Rinaldi piece unfolding in real time, national championship implications, and most importantly, the first Twitter picture of the ale coin in practice. Instead, I get a 10-minute segment on bourbon bottle shopping techniques born from a weak Twitter pillow fight? Come on, man! Signed, Mitch Davison. You're right, Mitch. That was an oversight by me, and I didn't have enough time to get it in. What do you mean no time? Your podcast can be as long as you make it. Listen, I had other stuff to talk about. I'm not going to go for an hour and a half on Mondays. I mean, I'm going to give you about an hour. Fact, I mean, ain't nobody got time for that either. You know, a lot of podcasts stacking up. There's a lot of, you know, other shows people listen to. I'm not naive. I know you people listen two other stuff. Yeah, it was a hell of a game. It was amazing. I did watch it with kind of one eyeball, though, and very little sound because of the fact I was locked in on the Brewers game seven against the L.A. Dodgers. And I was even locked on to the baseball game as it was a inevitable death march to the gas chamber for the Brewers. But yes, I kept an eye on the game, and I was loving seeing Ohio State get their face kicked in because who doesn't love seeing Urban Meyer humiliated? Now, you may think that I'm an Urban Meyer apologist from my stance on the whole ruckus at the end of the summer, right before the season began, regarding the assistant coach. I'm just a fan of due process, logic, and I'm anti, you know, I'm anti-witch hunts, is what I am. But I love seeing Urban Meyer humiliated, like everyone else. I mean, fuck him, liar! Everybody gets moist eyes as well, at any kid, who has cancer and is a big fan of a team. And especially when that team wins after the kid predicts the win and he summons the strength to be there on the sideline. It's incredible. Ohio State gives up way too many big plays. That was kind of a known thing going into this game. And they are one-dimensional as hell. Seventy-six, Only 76 of their 548 yards came on the ground against Purdue. Granted, they're trailing most of the game, but my God, Dwayne Haskins, 49 for 70, for 70, for 470 yards. Meanwhile, for Purdue, quarterback David Blau, Blau, 25 of 43, 378, and yes, the aforementioned Rondell Moore, 12 catches, a buck 70. It was like Iowa 55-24 part two from last year when Ohio State got debacled on the road. Uh, Love, love what coach Brom did. He was aggressive, stayed aggressive the whole time. And somehow Ohio state was not ready for this, which one falls on urban Meyer. He's being paid $7 million to poke these kids, prod these kids, make these kids uncomfortable to the point where they're ready for this game. But also it's the nature of the college football beast. I mean, when, Certain schools and certain teams get up for a huge game, and when it's their Super Bowl, I mean, this was Purdue's Super Bowl. I know they've got bowl aspirations. They will be bowl eligible, and they will go to a nice bowl. But this was their Super Bowl home game against the Ohio State University. They were going to be sky high for that, just like Washington State. Washington State was only minus three against Oregon. Now, Oregon did fight back and kind of make it close, but you got the sense early on in that other game in, in the game out west which some would say was the actual game of the week, but I digress. Uh, some would say so so in that game out west, you're like, you got to be ready for this. this uh, this Washington State team is going to be absolutely tuned up and ready to go. It's what makes Alabama not to turn this into a discussion about them it what it's what makes Alabama even more special, even more insane that Nick Saban is able to do what he does with them. Because they're up every single week. They destroy people every single week. Now, as far as the Tyler Trent story, look, this is one hell of a kid. Courageous, bright spirit, boilermaker at heart. I love it. I love it. I hate it. I mostly love it, but part of me hates it. Now, by the way, just getting to the game was a win, for young Tyler because the Carmel native who has been battling terminal stage five cancer, bone cancer, sapped his energy. He vomits pretty much all day. The tumor on his spine has metastasized to his kidneys. Uh, He's had to leave the university. He's in hospice care. His mom said had the game been on Friday, not Saturday, then he couldn't have been there because he was too weak. But Saturday was a different day. And Tyler was able to get himself out of bed, get into a wheelchair, and get taken to the game. The sellout crowd rushed the field afterwards. His brother, Ethan, pushed him in the wheelchair to be part of the celebration. It's amazing. I mean, on the one hand, you got to love this. Courage, inspiration, a living lesson to fight to the last inch in life, in football, in everything, even in the face of certain death. And to enjoy life to its fullest until your own clock hits zeros. All of that stuff is great. The kid brought fire and inspiration to the team. The team brought joy to the kid and his family in a time of immense darkness. There is nothing wrong with that. And I am not saying we shouldn't keep doing it. We should. But part of me feels uneasy about it. A little bit exploitative. A little bit of virtue signaling every little tweet, every little retweet, every little comment, oh, isn't this great? You know, it's like, hey, look at me. I i am a human being who sympathizes with other people's plight. Even if you're genuine about it, it just, part of me feels like, well, you don't know this family. You're never gonna know this family. You're not, you're not part of the community. Well, I can't send congratulations. No, I mean, you can, but what is this about? Is it about him or is it about you? I don't know. And we know damn well that pretty much no one's going to go back and do a feature on the Trent family in one year or in two years or in 10 years. They're not going to sit down and ask, so how's it going? Uh, How about them Boilermakers? Yeah, yeah, I know you lost Trent five years ago. That's very sad. I mean, the kind of grief that visits families who lose children way too young is the kind of grief that is the stuff of nightmares. And it never goes away. And I feel sometimes trite as a sports fan getting whipped up into these stories because, you know, there's a million of these stories out there to be had. I joke about Tom Rinaldi, who's outstanding. And his trinkly piano pieces pretty much get all of us with the, man, is it, is it dusty in here? He's done a million of them, and I'm sure there's a bunch more coming. And I'm sure he comes away from them feeling like, look, we did something good for this particular person and their family. We did all we could as members of the media. And I think Tom Rinaldi feels like he treads respectfully through someone else's nightmare. But I just wonder, how do we choose which one of these stories are worthy? How do we measure fandom? I mean, if there's a 25-year-old guy, let's say he's 25. He's not a teenager. He's not preteen. But he's 25 years old. He's got a brain tumor the size of Texas. He works at a warehouse. He's about 100 pounds overweight. He's kind of burly, kind of rough around the edges. He's got a Purdue tattoo on his right arm. He's a fan of the team. He's just not a huge fan. Didn't go to the school, but lives in the area. He's been to a couple of games. Then what? Is he too old to do a feature on? Like, yeah, well, you've lived a good life. You're 25. Sorry. Does he look the part? Does he look innocent enough? Like you go, oh, or if you see this guy, you're like, huh, oh, well, that sucks. Doc workers got cancer. He's a Purdue fan, though. That's a tough break. I don't know. And then do you have to prove that you're as hardcore as you need to be as a fan? How, how does that work? I guess the answer is the producers of ESPN, they know what stories are worthy or what they deem worthy when they see them. I wonder how many submissions they get how many people are knocking down their door saying, listen, you got to do something for us. We've got a family member and this is a horrible situation. We just want to bring some happiness and light into this unbelievably tragic situation. And I'm sure they get lots of requests. Anyway, Tyler Trent, you're a stud, man. God bless you and your family. And let's make sure to think about just how and when we do these things and to tread lightly because remember a family is going to lose their child forever and we're going to high five and move on. Another email from Eric Scott. He writes to say, I wanted to ask why you wouldn't have a podcast with your, your boys, Scott, Steve, and Tim. The national show once upon a time was absolute gold. Jerry, the four of you created a better show. Adam Carolla's podcast would be, in my opinion, second even to you if you had his format. A roughly two to two and a half hour show with guests five days a week. I would gladly pay $125 a year for this content. Ooh, it's about $10 a month, ten ninety-nine. I would guarantee, writes Eric, with sponsorship or no sponsorship, you would skyrocket and you would be able to make Tons of money. I do like your ZabeCast, but it's not worth five bucks a month. Fair enough. Besides, on Friday, which I do not pay for, it isn't much different or better than when you are with Bob and Brian. In fact, you shine when you have a guest because you are better off your on your feet off a comment from a co-host or a guest. Please don't overestimate yourself by yourself. You need partners. And there is nothing wrong with needing a Pippin to your Jordan. I want you guys back together, signed Eric Scott. Well, Eric, that would make two of us. I wish the national show had not gone away. But there's problems all around on multiple fronts. Let me cut to the chase on this. I don't overestimate myself, I do understand that I like to do what I would call an ensemble show and a conversational show in which I am the lead of said ensemble slash conversational show. Not a broadcast show where I'm here broadcasting to you and there's other voices on the broadcast. That would be like Mike and Mike. I didn't consider Mike and Mike a conversational show because I felt they were both sitting shoulder to shoulder facing the audience and blurting things out you know, in the same direction as each other. They they would nominally address each other and get into it with each other, sort of, but it was mostly a front-facing show. The shows that I like to do and I think are the best are sort of Dan Patrick, although more on that in a second. Dan's show is good with the Danettes, who are talented and funny, and Dan's given them a lot of room to sort of get their own thing going, which I respect. And then Dan Levitard, Whose show I think is very funny and similar. I think Levitard's show is more; uh, it's more of a free for all. It's it's guns firing in all directions. Everyone challenging everyone. It's more of a royal rumble, which I love. I think it's great. I think Dan's show, as someone t- described it to me once, was more like a a kindergarten teacher calling on the class. Kindergarten's kind of mean. It's like a teacher calling on the class where there's Dan sitting at the head of the class and there are the Danettes. Uh, Yes, Seton. Uh, Yes, uh, McLovin. And on and on. I love the show that we did with me, Scott, Solly, and Tim. But I think you overestimate how many people would pay $10 a month for it. Even if we could get that, and even if we could ramp up the revenues, there's a problem with What are these guys doing on their own? I mean, they all have their own passions, desires, careers that they are pursuing. So who knows how long they're going to be part of this reformed show. The other part is geography, which is difficult because we all live uh, uh, very far away. So getting together for the quality studio setup that I would demand, that I think you would want for $11 a month, would be challenging. It'd be very hard to do it. And we'd try to do it probably in batches so we wouldn't have to do it every single day. And it would be tough. And then you start chopping up the money and you start going, okay, well, we're bringing in this much, all right? What's my cut as the the lead voice on the show? What's everyone else's cut? Uh, is there health insurance with this job? Uh, what about taxes? What about other benefits? You know, I, I would love it if, it was as easy to turn on a wildly profitable show that is self-sustaining unto itself, distributable via the internet. I just don't know if we're there. And there's a lot of people asking for a couple of bucks. There's, I mean, I'm sitting there with everyone else, panhandling, with my cardboard sign, "Please pay five dollars for the Zabe Cast." And I've got my my hat out, and I've got my harmonica, and I got my little uh, bucket with my drumsticks, and I'm playing my tunes and I'm looking at sad eyes up at you out there on the internet, $5 please. And don't get me wrong. I love doing it. It's going well. You might have noticed I didn't start. I didn't start any. There's, there's still have, there still has not been any advertising on the Zabe There may be some in the near future. And I didn't, S- set up a premium subscription to bring in some revenue until 9 months after I began and I did that for a reason. I wanted to prove to myself I could do it for a long enough period of time that it was a sustainable business. It was a, sust- a sustainable project. Maybe not business is right the word, but a, a sustainable thing. A could I do it every day 5 days a week and not give myself the day off going, well, you know, no one's paying for this and it doesn't matter. So, uh, no no Zabe today. And secondly, would I enjoy doing it? And the answer is yes, and hell yes. I, I really enjoy doing it. And I do enjoy being by myself, at least, for a little bit every day. This is why I bring in my circle of friends. Andy, Jaco, Charge, I'm uh, 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 blanking on this, Drew Olson, and others. Now, at some point, they're going to go, hey, uh. See, you got a few subscribers there. Uh, where's some money for me? And then he got into got to get into that uncomfortable discussion. But anyway, that's the bottom line. Love those guys. We are by the way doing a similar version of the National Show just with more local flavor on the Team 980 every day. So, tune in 4 to 7 p.m. here in Washington D.C on good old 980 AM radio, and and enjoy. And just sort of filter through all the Redskin talk, the occasional Wizards talk, the occasional Capitals talk, the occasional Nationals talk, and just consume what you want. And please, if you're downloading the podcast, please don't hold the crummy quality against me. I want to play for you a couple of bites, b- bites because Frank Caliendo joined me on Friday. To pick games joined us to pick games you are looking live and I had him I said you need to pick a voice for every game different voice every game and so we go through the games and some of the voices I'm just dying at and I'm like this is great I should probably cut this up and put it on the Zabe cast because excuse me who knows how many people who listen to this don't listen to me in DC or via the 980 podcast version or, or the re the re-rack version of my show. Well, the first thing you're going to hear <laughs> is the horseshit quality that our station uses for our audio clips on a podcast. It is, to me, utterly unacceptable and a joke. Now, I know why they do it because, as you'll hear, this is a very compressed, thin audio file that has a lot of artifacts in it because they probably want to save on server space. They've got a lot of shows, a lot of hours of programming. They're all uploading. Okay. Okay. Well, get more servers. Other digital media slash radio companies are serving and preserving their audio product in pristine quality. I believe quality matters. I try to strive for the best quality or at least, you know, A-level quality for audio for this particular podcast. I just, it kills me that our station does not do that, but eh, there's only so much I can control. Anyway, here was Frank Caliendo and some of his best picks and his best voices from Friday. right. The great Stephen A. Smith. I have
2: to say, and I I know that one Don Burt is listening and understands where we're coming from with this as he's eradicating the Caliendo premises from any type of insect or ridiculousness. That is my vocabulary. And let me just say this.
1: Yes, Stephen A. LeBron James. (laughs) Right. right. He's He's going to win 48 games this season. All right, but are we picking football games, Stephen A., or are we talking NBA? What are we doing here? We're picking football games, Steve. Okay, well, then I need you to pick this game, Bengals and Chiefs. LeBron. No, James. No. No, LBJ, the king. Can I just get a a nod (laughs) if you like Kansas City? Patrick Mahomes is the LeBron James. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> of the there national. It is. I thought he was kind of like the next Brent Favre. <laughs> Kansas City there for Stephen A Smith. Solly, who do you like? Cincinnati. All right. Uh John Madden has this game. John, who do you like? Yeah, you know, you look at the, these two d- teams and
2: you think of all the the, the the outcomes there could be, and there's really only two to three outcomes that there could be, and I, I, Baker Mayfield is kind of a guy that,
1: I think Tampa's the best. There you go. I don't think you picked the game there, John. I didn't hear the winner in that. Baker word. Mayfield. Oh, bake. Oh, you like see so the Browns plus the three and a half then? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I made it out That's what I was thinking. Do you know, Coach Madden, how the point spread works? Like you're getting three and a half points. Do you? Do you got that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I mean you get the, the three? They got to score more than that to to get the. No, no. <coughs> you get Cleveland and three and a half points. So oh, you if get they the lose, three and a half points on that. You, then they do. Yeah, yeah, I'm still going that way. Okay. All right. Uh, Morgan Freeman. Who do you like in this game? Ah, yes. Two teams. (laughs) Two completely different destinies. What will the
2: outcome be? That's why they're going to play a game. Ah, yes. Let me finish this up, Stevie. (laughs) Truth of the matter is, Steve couldn't allow me to be on the microphone as long as I needed to be. I had to climb through... 300 yards of the most disgusting, foulest slop of all time <laughs> to get to the other side of Steve's yard. It's
1: the piece he's it's run.
2: golf course now. <laughs> I'm going to Philadelphia.
1: Okay. Thank you, Morgan. Appreciate it. No problem,
2: that. Sonny. <laughs> Always so- sunny in Philadelphia. How about that? Sully. Had no idea I was even doing this. So like when he said, barely the bears.
1: Okay. Uh, oh, uh, George W. Bush. Yeah, wh- what are we talking about? Uh, we're picking the Football. game here, all Mr. Right. Mr. President. Uh, Vikings and Jets. Vikings and Jets.
2: And they're playing each other, right?
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> right.
2: yes. They're and they're playing, they're uh, playing, uh, they're, uh, they're in New York City. Uh, well, York the, Meadowlands, the, New Me- yeah. uh, the Meadowlands,
1: New Jersey, yeah.
2: The Meadowlands.
1: Right, that's right. All it. right,
2: I like that. Uh, Sammy Darnold, uh, but I'm going with uh, with the, the king of all relatives, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> okay, Kirk, Kirk, Captain his? Kirk Cousins. Okay, thank Kirkky. you, thank you, Kirkie Jerky from Minnesota, Kirky.
1: <laughs> all right, Al Pacino. Um, I love this like... game. I do. You do, really? I love it. Why do you love it? Because yeah. the two <laughs> of you hate it. <laughs> really? That's, That's the reason.
2: Yeah, I go with uh, <laughs> stats. All right. You chewing something chewing now? Chewing a fake gum. <laughs> Face me in a character. Ah. Chewing <laughs> a stapler. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Houston. Houston, period. <laughs>
1: period. That's okay, it.
2: that's it. Very. You guys go through a lot of different things that you believe and reasons. I just know. Houston,
1: period. <laughs> President Donald J. Trump, I believe you have some property down there in Miami. Care to pick the game A tremendous
2: us? amount. This is going to be a simple game. I, I'm looking at it right now, and I've done a lot of research, and a lot of a lot of people are saying Detroit, and a lot of people are correct. And those people, I'm going with those people because they're my people.
1: Okay, Detroit, it, it is then. I mean Miami. Wait a minute, Mr. President. <laughs> wait, Which wait, one what? is it? It's
2: whoever I wanted to be. I'm the president, and you're not. Okay, I'm going to try. Detroit. Detroit, okay, it's dude. going to be tremendous. Okay, I'm going to make Detroit great again.
1: Solly, all right, it's John weird. Gruden. Who do you like in this
2: game? I'll tell you Coach. what, man, I would, I would not trade Khalil Mack again. You man. just
1: did trade. Oh, you no, wouldn't
2: man. trade him again? No, nah, no, nah, I wouldn't do it if I were Chicago Bears, man. I'd keep playing that guy. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I uh, This is kind of like a Pete Rose kind of thing. Should I not be betting on this stuff right now, man? Well, it is a bye week for you, Coach. Right, so. That makes it legal. Uh, I'm going with Mitchell Trubisky <laughs> and the Chicago Bears to take down Tom Brady and...
1: Bill Belichick, man. Okay, that'd be a hell of an upset. They're only two and a half points. Adam Sandler would like to pick this game. Yeah, hey, uh, I think that was a crazy idea right there. Uh, I'm going to go uh, more on the logical
2: side of uh, my friend, uh, Steve Zabin, and go with the Chargers. <laughs> it's going to be okay, Big Ben. It's going to it's going to change everything.
1: You know, as I hear that, it's sort of like the characters we do on our show, and they're not impressions, they're characters. And when a character tickles a funny bone as a listener, you just you want it all the time. You want more of it. It doesn't even matter if the character is no longer relevant or if the impression is strayed so far from what it was meant to be. If it's funny, you just love it. Like the George W. Bush one that Frank did. I mean, I'm dying. It was so good. It's like uh, Opie and Anthony, when they were together, I believe Anthony had a fake Don Imus impression, and it was unbelievable. Now, you have to even know who Don Imus is. Many people don't, and you had to have heard his shtick and what he does to get it, but to hear Anthony Cumia do an evil Don Imus in, like, perfect, I mean, it was like a perfect impression. I would sit there, I would stop my car when that impression came on. I was like, oh, Do more of it. Do more of it. Keep going. Do the whole show in that voice. Anyway, thanks for Frankie for coming by. Hope you had a good show on Saturday night at Charlestown Casino. I didn't get to go see it. I was home watching the baseball game, but I did take him to dinner on Friday night, so I got enough of his show live at the dinner table. All right, enough jib jab. Let's say hey to Andy Poland, a man who just turned 60 but is convinced The best days of his life and career are still ahead. Hello, Andrew.
2: Well, from your lips to God's ears, yeah, I hope that does happen. That'd be nice.
1: How about about did you see your boy, Hubie Brown, signed a three-year extension with ESPN at age 85?
2: I think it's great, and he's still great. And uh, Jack Ramsey, who did what Hubie does now, I think he worked to 89. So uh, there may be another contract for Hubie.
1: Now, i got to have your Hubie. This is like, of all the characters you do, this is like, <laughs> I'm not sure you do any other characters besides a fake Hubie Brown. So Hubie, uh, Hubie, how was it getting a new deal at age 85 to call basketball games?
2: Well, because I like to talk about playing in the painted area, that that's big, and look, you got two guys be major players and doing things into their 80s. That says a lot for the octogenarians, and I'll just keep on going until they tell me to get out.
1: I love uh, I love the look. The mid... It was like the mid-sentence reset by Hubie, where he'll say, look. Yeah. You know, he'll kind of like stop and pivot. He'll plant his foot and go, <laughs> look.
2: <laughs> yeah. He'll say, he'll say, you know, I had Bannister, I had Jones, and I had Smith, and they had... Bird, Parrish, and Mikhail, and I had to laugh.
1: <laughs> By the way, isn't it isn't it odd that a league that prides itself on being so young and so hip still employs fucking dinosaurs like that to call games? Why? Well,
2: he's, because
1: he's still
2: good and is there is there another No,
1: but aren't there other guys that could be good? Aren't we living in an age where good doesn't matter and these networks just go with who's hip and who looks good?
2: Well, would you have Stephen A. Smith do it? I guess you could. Of
1: course I would do it. I'm too busy. (laughs) I'm doing six things right now, Andy. You know that.
2: Well, and also, look, the the radio audience is probably a little bit older listening to radio play-by-play, so, you know, why not have an older guy do it?
1: Yeah. Well, anyway, let's get to the headline story, which is the Redskins win the Redskins win they're now 4-2, and two, game and a half clear in the early stages of this race for the NFC East. There's problems up and down the division, and it feels good. But an uneasiness, I think you would agree, Andy, looms over this team that is, by my calculation, 83% Adrian Peterson, 16% the defensive line, and then 1% fairy dust.
2: i give more credit to the defensive line and i'll tell you something else i'd give more credit to the defense overall okay and i think you know if you look at historically where teams have done well it's where they've stayed healthy and you look back at the 91 redskins they lost one starter if to a season-ending injury that was ed simmons And Joe Jacoby just moved from left guard to right tackle, and they put Raleigh McKenzie in at guard, and everything was fine. And I think yesterday they had one major injury, Quinton Dunbar, and he was missed as Greg Stroman got killed on a a stop-and-go. But other than that, that defense has stayed healthy. And that's key. If that defense, remember last year when Jonathan Allen went out, their run-stopping ability really dropped off. Now they've got a healthy Allen, and this guy Payne looks like a great draft pick. He looks like a tremendous draft pick.
1: Absolutely.
2: I think if that defense stays healthy, they can win games like that. Now, Alex Smith, he's not quite as was advertised yes he doesn't turn the ball over and when you win the turnover battle as they have the last two weeks remember the panthers turned it over three times dallas turned it over twice yesterday you're generally going to win especially if your defense is good and the defense has been good through most of the season except i guess for the new orleans game so i think if the defense stays healthy they can win those kind of ugly games like they won yesterday now you can't have alex smith doing a brain fart at the end of the game i mean if, if kirk cousins had done that last year the kirk haters would say and that's why you can't give him a long-term contract but here's a guy who's been in the league 15 years he's got to understand situation go down make dallas burn that last time out he wasn't in a game. he was three yards short of that first down What is diving for the first down he, he's got to understand where he is and he's got to get down on the field and make dallas burn the timeout.
1: right now alex smith stinks you are being hey, very generous years. You are being yeah. generous in saying he's not quite what we thought he would be. He stinks right yeah. now. His numbers are so far off of last year. Last year he he was you know like he led the league in passer rating at one hundred four point seven. He's down to yeah. 91.9 right now, and that's where he has lived for all but one other year of his career. That's yeah, who. Well, he doesn't like, like
2: the burners that he had in, in Kansas City. Though. True, Remember true. That, I understand
1: know? that, but here's the thing, and, and there will be the argument of he doesn't have the weapons. Weapons, schmeppens, if Kirk Cousins, Andy, had one-hopped the ball in front of Jeremy Sprinkle, who's wide open by five steps with Tony Romo screaming in the broadcast, yeah. w- our phones wouldn't stop ringing for a week. You know that, know. right? People yeah. would lose their for- mind. Kirk socks, Oh, my God, yeah. I can't believe yeah. he doesn't yeah. want to sign a long-term yeah. deal. Yeah,
2: yeah. and what's, what's the advertisement on Smith? Accurate. Well, he wasn't accurate yesterday. No. He really hasn't been accurate been the last accurate three
1: weeks. All the time, uh, the going yeah. out of bounds thing luckily did not hurt us, or did not. Yeah, it didn't. Didn't really affect the outcome of the game because the Cowboys botched their end of game situation even worse than Jay botched his end of game situation, and then we got a little sprinkle of luck with a terrible call. You'd agree with that, right?
2: Well, here's here's what I read on that. Um, ben Cutwika had picked that up. And he said to Jay, this is something that we can talk to the referee about. I guess the head coach is the only one who's allowed to talk to the ref. So uh, Jay Gruden talked to the ref about it, said watch for it. Also, I think, I don't know who it was who jumped off for the Redskins. Payne was the one. But Payne
1: was two players away. None of the other Redskins moved. And had they not moved, they would not have thrown a flag.
2: Exactly. So did, did Payne have the presence of mind to do that? was he told to look for that boy, you know could oh this have been you know a really good move by Kukwika to get his team ready for that
1: i don't e- know e- either way like i just retweeted tonight a clip of what a real snap infraction looks like the mm-hmm. snapper does a pump fake on the snap like oh wait a minute we're not ready and the entire defense jumps off sides because it looks like a snap. That's what that looks like. The Cowboys got hosed, but then again, yeah, we've been hosed before. Look, they got a bad call, but bottom line is Joe Theismann called a timeout in 1979, right, Andy? And they didn't give it to us. So screw right. them.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it, I mean, to think that a call in a Cowboy-Redskin game goes the Redskins' way, even in DC, that's pretty amazing.
1: Well, thank God it did. So, either yeah. way, I mean, I'm glad we don't have Dak Prescott either because I don't think he's very good. Like, imagine no. imagine if Kirk had fumbled at the goal line while seeing an on-rushing blitzer like Kerrigan come right at his face for 10 yards. Like, he saw Kerrigan come right at him. It was third and 14. He's at his own two in a three-point game and doesn't have the brains to throw it away. And then fumbles. Yeah, that...
2: That that's interesting, but but how did he emerge as such a star his rookie year? It was I, think it was,
1: of, I of, think it uh, was I think it was RG three like,
2: yeah. But but RG three was a gimmicky offense.
1: So was Dak. he really was not. Dak ran a lot his rookie year, and they didn't quite know how to handle him. You still had a yeah. very viable Dez Bryant. Witten was still very effective, and Zeke was a rookie. Yeah.
2: And their O line their O
1: line was airtight. I mean, their O line was one of the best O lines the league has seen in the last ten years. It all came together for one year, but he's turning back into a pumpkin. Okay, some other thoughts about the game. I wanted to call you during the game and go off on the CBS broadcast, which I thought was a D minus at best. I thought I agree. I thought Nance was putting too many quarters in the Tony Romo jukebox about, oh, what happened back when when you did this? Oh, what happened back when when you did that? They're showing highlights of Romo against the Redskins in games that, unless I'm mistaken, Andy, didn't matter. Like, they weren't historically significant, and they're doing this in the middle of the game. I'm like, the game is happening right in front of you.
2: Well, the, the most significant game, I think, that Romo played against the Redskins was the game in 2012, where it was basically the division title at the end of the year, and Romo crapped the bed. He was intercepted three times. Rob Jackson intercepted yes. him in the last minute to seal the game. And so, yes, when his time came at FedEx Field, he didn't always shine, especially in the biggest games. So there was that. I also felt like, for all the carping I've heard over the years about Troy Aikman, Romo was a homer times 10 oh. compared to Aikman. I mean, he was heartbroken when they got that call. And, and then diagnosing a concussion on an, on, a, on a hit that, that – I mean, where, where, did, where did he come up with that? Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I thought he did a terrible job. I agree.
1: I, I Now that I've listened to a Romo game critically, and this is the first Romo called Redskin game, you know how you yeah. always listen to the announcers on your game far more intently, and you're agitated about every play, good or bad, so you're very keyed up. I had always thought, Romo's good. I like Romo. He's he's folksy. He's he's not too serious. He calls the plays, blah, blah, blah. Listening to him on Sunday, I'm like, God, I think he is overhyped big time because he was not sharp, and Nance was not sharp. And I don't know why Nance doesn't realize this is not a golf outing up on the (laughs) dais over rubber chicken. Saying, "Hey, tell me about the time that dot dot dot." Am I wrong?
2: Yeah, I mean, he he was a little bit too nostalgic about the days that CBS had the games. I mean, there was a long period of Fox and Madden stayed Madden and Summerall stayed on Fox. So most of us really don't differentiate that much between Madden and Summerall CBS and Madden and Summerall because they Fox.
1: switched, right? They jumped ship yeah, was, to the it was new a network transition. Yeah, and the other thing too was that. Um, you know, they're, they're going on and on about, oh, we used to do the games, and I'm like, okay, I thought you weren't going to talk about this. I read the article leading up to the game. What really pissed me off, though, Andy, was the number of people on my Twitter timeline asking, hey, uh how come this game's on CBS? Two things, Andy. One, if you're aware that the games used to be on Fox and this is now odd, you should also be aware of the current rules Regarding quote unquote cross flexing, right? Yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. They, so you're mildly aware, that's number one, but you don't you're not really aware of what's going on. That's the first thing that annoys me. The second thing that annoys me is that you don't you treat me and my Twitter timeline like I'm Google. If you Googled why are the Redskins and Cowboys on CBS, you'd get the answer. I'm not yelling, <laughs> am I? I'm yelling. <laughs>
2: You know, we had a, a program director years ago named Doug Gondek, and Gondek had a rock and roll programming background. The uh, general manager of the station, Zier, thought this would be a good idea. So we had a meeting with Channel 5 right at the time they took over, Fox took over the NFL rights from CBS. And we're sitting in a meeting with one of their program people, and this guy, Doug Gondek, says to him, You know, we found in radio, sometimes it's hard for people to find your product. What? Like a Redskin fan is going to go, oh, I checked Channel 9, the Redskin game wasn't on. I guess it's not on. (laughs) I guess guess it's not on.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess I'm going to go clean the garage now since the Redskins (laughs) are not on.
2: Yeah, I wanted to watch, but, oh, Channel 5 has the games? I didn't know that. Oh, I would have watched.
1: Come on. So for the last time, I'll explain to people as patiently as I can without yelling The NFL's broadcast deal, Fox and CBS, you know, CBS usually taking the AFC package, didn't have as many big markets or big draw teams, and so they complained to the NFL saying, hey, we kind of want to have a shot at some NFC teams, the big markets, New York, Washington, Dallas, etc. And instead of totally ripping up the conference affiliation, they said, we'll give you a couple games every year, and we cross-flex them across networks. That's why... CBS finally did a Redskins Cowboy game again for the first time since 1993, and frankly, they did a shitty job. Romo was a homer. Nance was a minus. There's too much nostalgia. Uh, They got the facts wrong about Riggins being a league MVP. You were quick to point that out on Twitter.
2: Yeah, well, I I did. And then he kind of did a make good after they came back from commercial by saying he's was Super Bowl MVP. But he was not even a pro bowler in his time with the Redskins. Come
1: on, I, thought he, I thought he made one.
2: He did with the Jets. That's okay. the only one he made. It was his last year with the Jets. He yeah. did not make a Pro Bowl with the Redskins. Yeah.
1: And then there was that awkward sideline exchange with Tracy Wolfson about yeah. her hair. I mean, yeah. that was just sort of weird. Like, I was thinking to myself, is Tracy Wolfson, who I think is kind of cool, is she really complaining about a Tony Romo hair comment? i have
2: no idea uh, you know who knows what what sets off in this day and age you know how in did the you era
1: <laughs> how did you like the reporting on the sideline of the cowboys sightseeing plans for monday that annoyed yeah, I, me I, as well I, i'm like i don't give a shit what they're doing <laughs> where they're going not during the game hey tracy Tell me how much money the Cowboys bribed the neurologist to clear Dak Prescott of a concussion. That's what I want to hear.
2: Well you know, what happens is they're trying to draw in the fan that isn't necessarily a diehard fan, so you try to give them a little bit of color. How about the halftime, not to change the subject dramatically, Go ahead. but the halftime on Monday Night Football where they say, oh, it's commercial-free, and they show you some stupid music video. Who wants to see that?
1: A music video with product placement in it because when they had... I understand, um, well, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what pays for it. Like Lil Wayne did a music video... While dancing on the hood of a Hyundai. <laughs> oh, it just okay. is all such nonsense. I swear to God, Andy, someday we will come up with an algorithm that can recreate Howard Cosell perfectly and will create the old halftime highlights Howard used to do, but with new modern highlights. And it'll be the greatest thing ever. We will literally resurrect Howard from the grave. <laughs> Would you like yeah, I that?
2: Guess we could do- yeah, we could do that. Uh, yeah, if, you, you could probably synthesize enough of his voice to make it happen, right?
1: Oh, I think we're getting close if we're not already there. On a scale yeah. of zero – let's talk college football for a second. On a scale of zero to douche-tastic to the extreme, where do you rate Butch Jones of Tennessee smoking cigars after his after Alabama beats his old team Tennessee – even though he is essentially an intern now under Nick Saban as a video or as a offensive consultant while getting paid millions of dollars by Tennessee, the program that he single-handedly buried. Yeah. Did you see those photos?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's like, kind of like the mob, you know, that when the mob takes you in, you're, you're kind of one of them. <laughs> and uh, Alabama is so dominant, it's ridiculous. And they're on that 3.30 game every Saturday, right? I mean, it's an odd Saturday when they're not in that spot. It's almost like the Alabama show, 3.30, Saturday afternoon, CBS. And so we've seen other guys, you know, who have had – uh, who's, who's the guy now at in, in, uh, Central Florida? Um, who was uh, re? Well, who,
1: Scott he, he Frost got, left. I don't know yeah. who's their new guy, but the new guy's undefeated, by the way.
2: Yeah, no, the the coach. Um, why am I blanking on his name? The, the coach who's, who who uh, who was at Tennessee and was with the Raiders. Phil Fulmer. You know, uh, oh, Lane, no, Kiffin. No, no, no. Lane Kiffin. Lane but Kiffin, but he's not. Yeah. He's
1: not at Central yeah. Florida. He's down yeah. at uh, uh, Florida International, I believe.
2: Right, so Lane, Lane Kiffin joins Alabama, right, for a while, and then he's not with Alabama anymore, you know. And so that's that's kind of what Alabama does if, if they beat the crap out of you, and then they take you in as one of their coffee boys,
1: you know. Yeah, Florida Atlantic, by the way, not Florida International for Lane Kiffin. And, yes, yeah. I mean, Butch Butch Jones was one of the worst coaches ever. Anyway, Butch Jones sucks, and for him to smoke cigars all cocky, like, yeah, look what I did – Bro, you're an intern under Nick Saban. You should not be bragging about this. In fact, he shouldn't have even traveled Andy because he's only a consultant, yet there he was in the locker room smoking cigars with college kids. Fuck you. You yeah. should be my fuck that guy for the week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> Why All right. not? Yeah.
1: All right, real quick, uh, Dwight Howard in the Wiz. Good start for him. <sighs> Hasn't played yeah. in the first three games. Nice.
2: Guy a pain in the ass. Has a pain in the ass and doesn't play. Uh, Jan Mahimi, I don't know if it was the first game or the second game. He was on the floor for twelve minutes and he had one rebound. One <laughs> rebound. If, if one if, more if than you. Sat down, yeah. If he sat down on the middle of the floor in the center circle, a rebound would have come to him eventually. He's terrible, and this team is a, is a, a disaster waiting to happen. Also they have guys who who just disappear. I mean, Otto Porter, he, he he's, he's takes seven shots for a game. Buckhands in the first game says, Otto Porter's been on the floor for 11 minutes. He's taken one shot. He, he can't have Otto Porter taking one shot. That's what Otto Porter's supposed to do. He's supposed to shoot the ball. Shoot the ball. Get the ball from, grab the ball from John Wall's hands. Shoot the ball. That's why they pay a max contract. Porter did,
1: Porter didn't even take a three in the first game yeah. of the year. In a league, Crazy. in a league in which guys are taking thirty threes a night, he took zero threes, which is pretty amazing. And you mentioned Mahinmi. I looked up his fouls per forty-eight minutes rate. You know what it is? Nine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if he were to play a full game, yeah. he, he'd foul out one and a half times. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable! Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be, I think, a long season because. Uh, I believe Toronto's going to be a lot better with Kawhi in the East. Obviously, Boston is better. Mm-hmm. Indiana mm-hmm. looks pretty good as well. Yep. So, could be a lot of... No, they,
2: they're, 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 just, they're just a mess. I mean, Scott Brooks tells his players in preseason to shut up. They won't stop talking, okay? Uh, Brooks, it's control your emotions. He gets thrown out of the second game. It's a mess. It's a, it's a complete mess. And for all the Bradley Beal and John Wall stories of how they love each other and they've been playing together for so long and this, that, and the other, I don't think they like each other. I really don't. I, no. I, don't, I don't think it's working.
1: I think yeah. you're right. All right, Andy. uh, Sorry about the phone troubles tonight. Good to talk to you as always. Uh, Redskins are four and two, savoring first place while we got it. I think it's a pillow fight to nine and seven. I hope our team is in it at the end, and we'll just figure things out as we go. Better to win now than to, you know, lose now and then figure it out late.
2: Winning ugly. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more games like we saw on Sunday.
1: All right. Very good. We'll talk to you next week. Isaac. We'll end with this today. Me and Odell Beckham Jr. like this. Hang die. As uh, Al Swearingen once said in Deadwood with his friend Mr. Wu. Hang die. Fingers together. We are buddies. We are tight. We are hang die. Sweating, Wu.
2: Hang die. Wu and Sweating.
1: Hang die. Why are we hang die, me and Odell Beckham Jr.? Because apparently he admitted last week after people were asking, how come you're getting so many IVs? At halftime, what's up with that? Beckham said, I'm trying to up my water intake. You know, I really don't like drinking water. (laughs) He said, I don't like that squishy feeling in your stomach. I'm like, yes, exactly right. Now, I'm trying to do better. My nutritionist keeps harping on me, and I know it's an essential part of any program to lose weight. So I'm going to have to step it up on the water intake. But bottom line is, I get it. I used to say when people would say, God, all you drink is Diet Coke. And I'm like, I oh, know, it's bad. And like, why don't you drink water? And I said, because it tears up my system. <laughs> Which of course is an ironic joke because all we are as human beings is basically a walking, talking, farting, breathing bag of water stitched together by uh, gooey, gelatinous skin cells and tissues. And bones. Why don't you drink water? It, it just tears my system up. Just ah, oh, oh, I got a stomach ache. Really? What'd you take? What, what'd you drink? Water. Really? Water with nothing else? You had an empty stomach and you just poured water into it? What are you crazy? Yeah, I know. It's uh <laughs> It's not sitting well right now. But as a professional athlete, my god. You cannot say that, Odell. You can't. Apparently he had plenty of water before the game against the Falcons. Had a big game, played the whole game, didn't need IVs, still lost. He's all yours, Giants. Enjoy. But in one particular issue, for one tiny moment in time, me and Odell Beckham Jr., hang down. We are together on that. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening. Download, subscribe, comment, and like. Tell three friends and spread the word about the Zabecast. Now, if you don't mind, go on out, call all your buddies Tess, Wit, and Boog and see how quickly they never talk to you again. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. We marched. Each now
0: they say. We were never even saved. Must be very brave. Here's to getting back together. To planned lunches and unplanned cookouts. To grandma's recipes and smells that take us back. To passing down plates and traditions. Here's to warm embraces and familiar faces. To your best friends, becoming best friends. To scheming, dreaming, and food still steaming. Here's to laughter and love, to growing closer than ever, for all of life's get-togethers. Chinette, here's to us. At Vanguard, this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane, and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and Vanguard is here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor you're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.